This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. Talk about a break, but we're everybody's back. Everybody's back uh, from the long holiday break uh, that NBA Sound System took. We hope you enjoyed your holiday season wherever you are, however you're doing so. Welcome to 2022. Welcome to NBA Sound System. This is Carlin Gay. Scott Rafferty is here. We're back better than ever. We're back. It feels good to be back. But I, I was like you. I'm actually operating off of two laptops today. Uh, I, got, I got my windows, my notes pulled up on one. I got the, the system that you're hearing this through on the other. I've muted my my, uh, my phone. I'm like you. I, I feel like I had a checklist just to get set up for today. But it, it, it is great to be back. It, it's been a while. It has been a while, and we apologize for uh, the, the the small hiatus, but we are back uh, on NBA Sound System. Of course, you can hear us LIV live across the NBA Global Networks. All right, Scott, uh, plenty to get to. Uh, we, we missed out on a lot. Uh, since we've left you, uh, DeMar DeRozan became the best player in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Grizzlies are just surging. Uh, we have an all-star game coming up. The all-star voting is happening right now, folks. Uh, Friday is two-for-one day. Uh, if you're like me and you like to get two-for-one on anything, Friday you got to vote and you get two votes for your one. So that's coming up. Uh, but we'll talk about first-time All-Stars, who we think will be the most likely first-time All-Star. We're going to have some returning stars to the lineup potentially this week. Kyrie Irving, Clay Thompson getting back closer to being on the floor. But we got to start with the Memphis Grizzlies because they've been the surprise of the NBA so far. Um, they, they went into Brooklyn on Monday night. Uh, we were recording this or, or talking to you live here on a Tuesday, but went into Brooklyn on a Monday night and beat them soundly. Of course, Kyrie Irving wasn't playing. James Harden and Kevin Durant were playing. It didn't matter. John Morant put on a show in front of uh, a shirted Antonio Brown after he was shirtless across the river in New Jersey the day before. Uh, but he got to see a show like everybody else. Uh, John Morant really kind of announcing himself this season to the NBA. And we saw glimpses of this in the postseason, Scott. We, we talked about it actually on the show how he was figuring things out in the playoffs. Yeah, they didn't show up well uh, in that first round series about against the Utah Jazz, but we saw big time performances out of him in the two playing games. I think people forget about that. Like the the, the Memphis Grizzlies had to fight to and claw to get into the playoffs via the play in, and they shocked everyone by beating Golden State uh, on the road and and earning that eighth seed. Um, and then Utah, you know, disposed of them quickly. But their first playoff series, you can't really take too much out of that for them. And here they are taking that next step in the regular season where they could end up with a top four seed at West. I'm sorry if I feel like I feel like I have said this before on this show, but the thing that jumps out to me about John Moran is one, he improves every single season he's been in the NBA so far, but he's also just proven himself to be like a big time player. You know, you said it in that rookie season, the the Grizzlies made it into that play-in tournament. They lost, I think it was to the Trailblazers, if I remember correctly. But I think he had like the highest scoring game of his season in that game. And and he was just doing everything he could to try and propel him to that victory. And then, yeah, last season, they went back-to-back game, playing tournament games. And yes, they get handed by the the Jazz in that first round. But John Moran was spectacular. And then we're seeing this season, this team is going from like a playing tournament kind of team to a potentially home court advantage team in the Western Conference. You know, we, we went into this season, I think it was safe to assume the Suns and Jazz were going to be two of the top four teams. 
the Warriors, it became clear very early that they were going to be one of those top four teams. And there's kind of just this like free for all amongst like what, five teams, I guess, um, for that number four seed. And the, the Grizzlies right now have it. They've got a pretty good um, advantage over the Nuggets and the Mavericks. And yeah, this team is just, is just very interesting. Like they're young, but they're really well balanced. You know, they got Dylan Brooks, who's kind of their lockdown defender. Jaron Jackson Jr. has long been like this fascinating um, modern kind of unicorn big man, a rim protector, but also a stretch four. He still has a ton of room for improvement. Desmond Bain, I mean, he, he's one of the leading MIP candidates this season. He's quickly becoming one of their go-to scorers. Um, I, I wasn't particularly high on the Steven Adams trade when that happened, but, you know, credit to him. He, he's a vet who knows how to play his role and does a lot of the little things. Um, and, and they just have depth when you think like Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, all these guys who know what to do coming off the bench. Um, but of course, you know, this team is led by John Morant. He's proven himself over the last, his first couple years in the league. Came out of the gates hot this season. We were talking about him as like a legit MVP candidate. Has that injury, is out for a couple weeks. The Grizzlies actually played really well without him. Um, they were awful defensively before he uh, suffered that injury. Then they were absolutely elite defensively when he was out. Um, and now that he's back, it feels like, you know, th- they're starting to figure things out. Um, but he, he, I mean, he's just fantastic. It, it's hard to come up with, you know, ways to describe him. Um, he's an improved three-point shooter. He, he's really improved from kind of scoring from short mid-range, that floater range. Um, he has great pace in his game. And even though he's a pretty slight guard, he's third in the league right now in points per game in the paint. And it just feels like he can get to the rim whenever he wants. He can finish over or around pretty much anyone. Um, and he really is. This team is super fun, but he's quickly kind of established himself as, as one of the most entertaining and must-watch play, must watch players in the league right now. He said, I said it this morning in our uh, NBA meeting um, with, with the rest of our NBA staff. He's the most exciting player the Grizzlies have ever had. Um, and that, and, and I that said, goes back. And I said, don't do that to, Z, to Zebo, my guy Zach Randolph. <laughs> but, uh, but no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm not just talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. Like I'm going back to Vancouver. Like I'm I'm, go, I'm going as far back as that. They've never had someone as box office as John Morant. Uh, and and he's you know as you said all those things that you said about him is right. He's improved uh, three point shooter, which I think a lot of people thought that he needed right away to take the next step. And he, he's done that in year three. He's shooting over forty percent from three point range. He's not. He's never going to be Steph Curry, but like it. it I was just expecting him to get to like 37%. The fact that he's over 40 is really impressive. And he's taking big time shots, tough shots. He's making them. And as you said, he can get to the paint and score with the best of them. Um, all that is interesting and all that is fine. I think I think two things come to mind uh, out of what you just said. One, the fact that the Grizzlies picked it up when he went down with the injury. Because that is one of those injuries that you can feel like could really take the you know air out of your balloon as you're ascending if you're the Memphis Grizzlies mm-hmm. but they went the other way and 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 really started to pick it up defensively they figured out a different way to win without their superstar and it allowed the rest of their team to get some real some confidence in their game that's when Dylan Brooks started to to get going because remember he missed you know started or wasn't himself to start the season after coming back uh off of injury and he gets back in we find out how good Desmond Bain is we find out you know what what Steven Adams brings to the table defensively and and all the little things that you mentioned uh and and the fact that him and darren jackson can play on the floor together like that that seems like uh, uh you know one of those you know it, it makes sense now that you see it but at the beginning of the year you're like oh, on paper does this is this gonna work are we sure it's gonna work and and it, it absolutely fits um so just to see them take off 
in the in the, in the games that he was out. They were uh, what was it nine and two without him? Nine and two uh, without John Morant. Uh, they they blew out the Sacramento Kings by twenty seven. They blew out the the, the record uh, you know seventy three point victory over OKC. A big win over Philly by thirty five points. It wasn't like they were just scraping by teams. They beat Miami by fifteen. And I know some of that had to do with who was available with the health and safety and all that. But this Memphis Grizzlies team is playing with a lot of confidence. Um, and, and now now that Jaw's back in the lineup, now they have their go-to guy. And they are a real threat in the Western Conference. Are they a championship threat? That remains to be seen. But it's very early in their development. Like they, This is a team that's going to be around for a very long time. It's not like their championship window ends next year. right? Like there's some. I think right. we get to, to the point where we, we, we sometimes look too far ahead and think about what's happening down the road too much instead of appreciating what we have right now. John Morant's in his third season in the NBA. Like, and, and he's not even complete. It's not even over. Like, and this is his first real season, I would say, right? Because the first year he was in the NBA, it was interrupted by the pandemic. So they went to the bubble. The second season in the NBA, it starts late. Uh, it, you know, some of it was without fans and everything else. This is his first real, true 82 game season. And he's doing this. This is incredible. Uh, and, and we, and some people still can't even pick his head coach out of a lineup. There's still a lot of things to get. Uh, you know, for the rest of the the basketball world to get familiar with this Memphis Grizzlies team. I don't want to look too far ahead and say, what's their championship window? What's their ceiling yet? Let's just appreciate what they have right now because they're playing great basketball. And and I think they're putting the league on notice. And I I think they could do some damage in the playoffs this year. And Morant Morant missed a lot of last season with an injury too. So he like that, that, that his sophomore season was very weird for him. Um, I mean, yeah, they're a fascinating team. Like they're proven to be competitive right now. They're super young. John Morant should only continue to improve. Jaron Jackson Jr. should continue to improve. So, so should Desmond Bain. Um, they have a ton of draft picks. And it, it is going to be fat. Like, the hardest jump, right, is to go from being a very good team to a championship team. Uh, it, it is the hardest jump to make in the NBA. And you're right. The Grizzlies have plenty of time to figure that out. But the fun thing about this team is that they have so many different di- directions they can go. Like, they can kind of take it slow, continue to improve, continue to add players, um, through the draft, maybe make some small trades and everything like that. Or they kind of have the assets to kind of go all in. Like the next star who says, hey, I want to get out of here. Um, I, I feel like the Grizzlies, the way that they are positioned right now, having a superstar already on that team in John Morant, having the amount of draft picks that they do, all these young players, expiring contracts, something like that. Like they could put together quite a compelling package um, for another star if they wanted to go down that route. And and to your point again, like they have plenty of time to figure this out. Like they they're, they're led by one of the young rising stars in the league. Again, Jaron Jackson Jr. is pretty young too. He should only continue to improve. Um, but I, I think it's it's safe to say that this team is positioned pretty well right now, um, and also for the future. And a lot of that has to do with kind of the development of John Morant. Yeah, and, and and sometimes you just get it right or you get lucky with uh with a draft pick, John Morant. They end up with second in the in the NBA draft. It was an easy choice, but to have to pick John Morant, um, and and it was the right choice. But also prior to that, they never really tanked, right? Like we, we, when you look at yeah. the way that the Grizzlies are built to this point, they never really tanked. They they took a while to find the right home for Marcus Ola, paid off in an NBA title for him. Uh, they took they did right by Mike Conley and not just shipping him off anywhere just to get assets back. They they you know they found the home. That that, you know he could play in uh, for multiple years in his career, and he could he could get a championship this season uh, with the Utah Jazz. Their window still wide open. Um, you know they, they they made the smart move and and, and the owners Valanciunas when they did to, to get the Stephen Adams deal and, and figure things out. Uh, and, and now look at them; uh, it's paying off for them. They're they're leading the top of their division. You know I love that Scott, and they're right there uh, <laughs> at the top four for the Western Conference. Um, 
The team that they're tracing, though, uh, the Golden State Warriors, everyone's really chasing the Golden State Warriors, 27, 29 and 7 on the season. Um, they've only lost four games uh, or three games at home. They, they really are unbeatable at home. Uh, in the last 10 games, they've only lost twice. Last night, uh, they, they they won a game in which Steph Curry played horribly. <laughs> so it, it's not just the Steph Curry show. They, they themselves, the uh, Golden State Warriors, are figuring things out. And uh, they are really creeping into a situation where um, we're, we're really going to find out how good they can be because Clay Thompson is getting set to to make his return. Now, reports are that he may come back this week, meaning Sunday. Um, but if he doesn't come back Sunday, he is going to be back, I'm, I'm assuming, within the next two weeks, right? It feels like the time is now for, for, for a Clay return or at least this month. And it's been a long time since we've seen him on the floor. 2019 finals that that is so long ago that is that's pre-pandemic for you folks out there uh who who are (laughs) who have the pandemic brand like most of us do um and a lot has happened in the nba since then um clay has obviously dealt with multiple injuries within that time but we know that if clay thompson is as close to 100 as possible we're talking about an all-star caliber player, one of the best two-way players in the NBA, one of the greatest shooters of all time, now joining the Golden State Warriors for free. Like, no no, no assets giving up. Like there's all the girls talk about the trade market, and in the next month or so, we're going to be talking about fantasy trades, and everybody's going to go crazy about that. And Klay Thompson's just coming back to this team that's already good, and they don't have to give anything up for him. And they also have James Wiseman in the uh, in the wings, just waiting, just waiting to to, to come back and, and and provide something to this team. He doesn't even have to be the second overall worthy pick; like he could just be an average NBA rotational player, and that's going to be better than where they are right now. Um, but let's talk about Clay. How excited are you for for Clay Thompson to get back into the lineup? Oh, so excited! I mean, Clay is one of the most electrifying and fun players in the league to watch. Uh, he has great personality on the court. You know, when Kevin Durant joined this team, he basically said, I don't have to sacrifice anything. And that's just Clay, right? Like, he's going to go out there. He's going to do his thing. He's going to get up a ton of threes. Um, when I feel like not even like, like no one in the league can get hot like Clay Thompson can. Not even like, not even Steph Curry. Um, he, he's just absolutely electric. I, I mean, look, he's coming off. Wait of- a second. Wait a second. I'm not just going to let you get that off without any sort of rebuttal. Like, you can't just say something like that. Steph Curry is one of the – he is the best shooter that we've ever seen in the NBA. What do you mean you can't get as hot as – Steph could absolutely get as hot. We saw it in a three-point contest. Hey, dude, dude barely missed. I, I said there's nothing quite like Clay Thompson. Um, I, I hope I said that anyway. Uh, you you better I mean, play the tape back. 60- the dude scores 60 points without taking like any dribbles. Uh, he scores great. 30 points in a quarter, the most ever. Like, it, just okay, look, to be clear, they're we in don't the need same to realm. About this. We're, they're in the same realm. I just want to be clear sure. about this. You, 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 I don't want you to disrespect the greatest shooter of all time. He could absolutely get as hot as Clay Thompson can. All right, that's fair. Um, but back to my point. Clay Thompson is coming off of what? Arguably the two worst injuries a basketball player can suffer um, and tearing his, his ACL and his Achilles. He's been gone for two straight seasons. I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about what he's going to be like when he returns. Um, We are talking about arguably the second greatest shooter in NBA history, a guy who doesn't really need to, again, like dribble the ball much to get off his shot or to get points. Um, It's just a very good, like offensive, smart player. Um, In saying that, like it it is very easy to say, like he will be fine because he can shoot really well. Um, But the reality is like Clay, 
prime clay was like in constant motion do you know what i mean like he, he always runs the floor in transition um nobody scores as many points as he does off of screens like he's flying off of screens all the time in the half court um so it's going to be very interesting to see kind of what he looks like in that regard coming off of these two lower body injuries and obviously defensively like he was an all defensive caliber defender in his prime um, I think that's going to be the biggest concern on his return, what he looks like on that end of the court. And I think it helps, you know, Draymond Green is the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year for a reason. Andrew Wiggins has kind of filled that void, that Clay Thompson defensive void um, in the last couple of years that he's been out. So that's going to take some pressure off of him. Like, I don't think Clay needs to be the same defender that he was um, for this team to be a title contender. But I, I think that's probably going to take the longest for him to kind of get back um, or figure it out coming off of his injuries. But look, I mean, everyone should be excited about Clay's return. You said it. Like, the, the, the Warriors have the best record in the NBA right now. They look like a title contender without him. Um, and even if he's like, what, 70% of the player that he was before, um, he, he should make a big difference and will only elevate them to kind of new heights. Yeah. Um, they Their next couple of games are on the road. They play at the Mavericks uh, tomorrow, uh, which we'll get to a little bit later with Dirk Nowitzki, Jersey Retirement Night. Uh, that's going to be on ESPN. Then they play on Thursday against the uh, Pelicans, and then Sunday is the targeted date for a home return against the Golden. Or sorry, against the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, that might be the night we see Clay Thompson return. And if because the reports are out there that he may, if he's going to return, it's going to be a home game, right? So I think yeah. that that night would be the return night. Um, if it's not, then we might wait a little longer to see Clay because uh, the Warriors aren't back home until the 18th of January. They'll have played five games between then um, on the on the road playing some tough tough opponents. So uh, I do believe that uh, we, we might see Clay. Uh, play on Sunday, uh, and, and the most interesting thing that you said in uh, in talking about Clay Thompson and, and what he's going to look like when he comes back, uh, to me is the uh, the cutting. Um, you know, I, I'm not worried about him defensively because I, I think that the Warriors are good enough defensively to hide him behind um, you know weaker players as he gets back. You know, to to you know be able to cut and move and all those things. But offensively, I think people just realize I think that oh, he doesn't need the ball in his hands and all this other stuff. But a lot of cutting happens. Happens. Um, and he, he was one of the primary cutters for the Warriors. And the Warriors actually are, are you know, are the most cut happy team in the NBA. Uh, no team cuts more than the Golden State Warriors. Their offense is really predicated on movement without the ball. And if Clay can't live up to that, I think it will not only frustrate him, but it will bog down that offense. Uh, because a lot of the reason why they're able to have space and, and, and score as easily as they do on offense is because they can move without the ball as much as they do. And if he's slowing things down there, I, I, like I said, I think it's going to not only frustrate him, but it could slow down the Golden State Warrior offense. Um, let's let's move to Kyrie Irving, um, an offense that doesn't need uh, doesn't need much um, with Kevin Durant and and James Harden there, uh, but they get Kyrie Irving and now they become pretty much unstoppable Scott you wrote about it on uh, on NBA.com about Kyrie Irving and his impact uh, on on the Brooklyn Nets and what that means for this team uh, let's get the logistics out of the way though what, what, what is uh, you know his availability how how much games will he play because uh, he's not going to be able to play in the home games right he, he, he remains unvaccinated at the time of us speaking to you to our knowledge um, and until then uh, he won't be able to play in New York City which Brooklyn uh, plays their home games in. So, um, where where do we sit with what Kyrie Irving can actually bring to the table uh, as he we expect to see his make, make him return make his return uh, tomorrow against the uh, Indiana Pacers. The good news for the Nets is that they could be seeing a decent amount of him. Um, 
if I counted right, they have 24 more road games this season. Um, three of those he will be ineligible to play for. The two games at Madison Square Garden and one in Toronto because of his reported vaccination status. Um, I, I don't think that includes one of the three games at Brooklyn's, uh, one of three Brooklyn's games that were, were postponed. Um, and one of those was away. So we're, essentially we're looking at 21, 22 games that Kyrie Irving will be eligible to play this season. Um, I mean, I think on the surface, you know, we're talking about a a perennial all-star, a guy who is coming off of basically the best season in his career, like averaging, what was it, 25 points, 50, 40, 90 shooting. Um, we've seen what a team built around Kyrie Irving as the number one option looks like. Um, there are limitations, but I mean, he, he thrived next to LeBron James in Cleveland and the little that we saw of him playing next to James Harden and Kevin Durant last season that they, they just looked like it was so easy for them offensively. Like, you look at the numbers, they basically posted the best offensive rating in the league by an absolute mile um, when the three of them were on the court. James Harden kind of played that point guard role. Kyrie Irving kind of played that shooting guard role that suits his skill set the best. And Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant. Like, he's going to wake up, he's going to roll out of bed, score 30 points um, on a nightly basis. Uh, so, that, I mean, they complement each other very well. But yes, they're only he's only going to play on the road. I think both Harden and Durant will benefit from that because right now Durant is second. Um, sorry, Kim Durant is third right now in uh, tied for second with LeBron in minutes, and James Harden is fifth. So for two guys in their early thirties, Kevin Durant is two seasons removed from tearing his Achilles. James Harden had a hamstring injury last year that kind of gave him some trouble. Um, they're carrying quite the workload right now. So I think even in like a part-time capacity, having Kyrie Irving for those t- around 20 games, um, they could really benefit from that. Mm-hmm. But look, this, this is, this is, <laughs> there's still things that need to be determined. Like in the playoffs, assuming everything kind of holds the way that they are right now, um, Kyrie Irving would be able to play in four of the seven games that the Brooklyn Nets are the highest seed. Uh, but in a series where they're the lowest seed, he'd be only able to play, you know, three of the seven games. Um, so that that's something that's, that they're that's, probably going to. That's have. actually that that would be the reverse, because they Sorry. they'd have yes you you have it you're right but yeah the reverse so they because they're going to be the higher seed he'd only be able to play in three of games of of a playoff series with them being on the road three times if it goes to seven, and then if they are the lower seed he'd be four road games. Um, yes, versus the there three. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for clarifying that. So, um, but yeah, I mean. I think this the Nets will absolutely benefit from having him back. Um, he's a fantastic player, um, but this essentially is is there's still a lot to be determined. I think it's, it's safe to say. But the Nets are in a good position. Um, ironically, they've actually been um, better on the road this season than at home. Right, they're, they're, right. they're about 500. They're 10 and nine at home and 13 and three on the road. Um, so that's a pretty ironic twist on all of this. But I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that they, they will benefit greatly from having him back. Yeah, and uh, that that all could happen on Wednesday night when they play uh, the the Pacers, um, and, uh, and then they have a, a little bit of a tough stretch um, coming up with uh, with a lot of uh, teams uh, that they may see or have to go through in the playoffs. So the a game against the Bulls on the road, and then a, a, a home game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, that is a marquee matchup later on this week on Friday. I think that's a nationally televised game with uh, with the honest coming to town. So mm-hmm. um, I think this benefits James Harden a little bit more than it does Kevin Durant. Uh, when you when you look at what James Harden has done over his career, yes, he's played a lot of minutes uh, and, and had to carry a heavy load uh, in his time and his prime in Houston. Um, but this is a, obviously a different James Harden. He's you know uh, age thirty two season. We saw how how slowly he started uh, dealing with the hamstring injury. 
and, and we've also seen when he was in his prime how he sort of uh, tailored off later in playoff runs. And if you're having a guy like James Harden at this point in his career playing 36 minutes plus, uh, carrying the heavy load as he had been, or helping carrying the heavy load as he as he had been throughout the season with with Kevin Durant, um, it, he might burn out by the time you get to the postseason, and that's. That's really where I think the Nets, um, you know, Achilles' heel might be for them is if you know all three of these guys aren't going at a high level, then they're vulnerable, uh, and teams aren't going to be afraid of them uh, come the postseason. Uh, I think Milwaukee uh, can go toe to toe with them; they proved that uh, a season ago. Um, and, and you have a, a Bulls team that looks like they mean business uh, in the Eastern Conference. We'll, we'll we'll see what they look like uh, as the season goes on. But right now, uh, I think they're they're you know a, a team that you, you really have to go through in the postseason if you want to win a championship. And then I always bring up the Heat. Uh, people don't don't like it, but I, I think the Heat. If you get them in a, a seven game series, it's going to be a tough out. Um, right now, they're banged up. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Jimmy Butler comes back uh, and and is that injury that he you know suffered last night doesn't look as bad as it did initially. He got helped off the floor um, and he was dealing with an ankle injury already. So maybe he tweaked it. Maybe he didn't. Ho- hopefully, fingers crossed, it's just that uh, and he can get back uh, so at some point this season. But a healthy Heat team, um, they're going to be trouble in the postseason. So there's there's teams out there that I think could could challenge the Brooklyn Nets uh, if they're not playing at the best of their abilities and you in it you add in the fact that yes Kyrie Irving will be there but if he's only there for three out of the four games now you're asking more of a James Harden and and I think that the workload right now that he's he's having to deal with throughout the season uh, will take a toll on him if he's going to have to do that in the postseason without Kyrie Irving around so this is a huge 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 help as you said uh, to this team especially with with Harden and, and Durant playing as many minutes as they uh, they have been I, I think I'm fine with Durant playing minutes I think he'll be okay I'm a little bit worried about James Harden I, I'm, I'm afraid that he he might uh, slow down a little bit in the postseason I mean, Harden proved to be like one of the most durable stars we've seen in a long time with that stretch that he had in the in regular Houston. season. In the regular yeah, no, season. no. I mean, but yeah, but I think it's a little bit different now, right? Because he, he is in his early thirties. He he did have that pretty pretty bad hamstring injury last year, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I think if you're the Nets, you know, he, he could potentially be a free agent at the end of the season. I think it's safe to assume that they want to kind of keep this big three together as long as they can. Um, you, you want him playing basketball at a high level for the next, you know, three, four plus seasons and anything you can kind of do to, to lower his minutes, lower his workload. I think he will benefit for, from in, in the long run. Cause he, I mean, he does a ton, right? Like he, he's one of the best passes in the league. He's up there in assists. He's a fantastic yeah. scorer. His scoring's down this season. Um, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him. I, I think it's, it's been a process for him to kind of gain his, his explosiveness back that, that quick first step. Um, he's still working his way back. And I I think if anything, that's what he's going to benefit the most from having Kyrie back. Cause we, we know Kyrie can get buckets with the best of them. Um, when Harden is out there with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, he kind of let the game come to him a little bit more, um, pick his spots. Uh, and maybe that helps him kind of get more comfortable or or into a better rhythm as a scorer, which is, I mean, it's, it's funny to think about because he's, he's one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen, right. In in Mm -hmm. NBA history. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it has been a little bit of a struggle for him there uh, so far this season. So I think I think it will help having Kyrie back in that regard. 
I also listen to James Harden a lot in, in post-game press conferences, and I don't think mentally he wants to get back to the player that he was in Houston. Like Ever since he left Houston, I think he left that player behind in terms of the high-volume uh, you know, score, high-volume usage guy. He wants to be a playmaker who wants to be a guy to get Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant and Joe Harris and, and Patty Mills the ball. He doesn't want to be the guy that has to score 36 points on any given night to lead the league in scoring anymore. He doesn't want to be the guy that scores 34 uh, for an entire season to lead the league in scoring anymore. I think he wants to be uh, a guy that just wants to, you know, find people to rock and, and, and in their spots and get their shots off. So, um, you know, welcome sight for for Kyrie Irving and, and the NBA fan as a whole. I think uh, most NBA fans missed watching Kyrie Irving play, especially coming off the season that he had uh, a year ago. Uh, all right, before we close here, let's get to uh, two things. One, we'll start with the most likely first-time All-Star. Scott, you already know where I'm going, so I'm unless you're going to go first here. I mean, what, should we just rule out John Moran because we've talked about him a ton and he's going to be an yeah. All-Star? Yeah, he's, he's. I mean, okay, look, well, the, the conversation with John Morant isn't that he's going to be an all-star or not, because he is going to be an all-star. I think the interesting conversation right now around John Morant is, is he going to start? Because if you pick Steph Curry uh, and, and you lock him into the next the, that, that guard spot, I think you can make an argument for John Morant to be on that second guard spot. You look at the, 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 the others that might be involved in the conversation, the Lucas. Well, Luka hasn't played enough games, and, and, and even if he had, when you talk about the winning that this team has done, um, you know you have to re- reward the team that's that's playing well. And I know that the Grizzlies played well without John Morant in the lineup, but you know John Morant has been a legit, as you said off the top, a legit MVP candidate. I think I would take John Morant's season thus far over what Luca has done. Not saying overall as a player, if we want to rank the players the top thirty, which we did, I would still put Luca ahead of Jaw. But I'm talking just this point of the season, I would take what John Morant has done and say he's more worthy of being an all-star starter. And that goes the same for Mitchell. That goes the same for Booker and Chris Paul. I I think I would have John Morant starting. Yeah, I I was going to say, I think those are the five right now that are kind of in consideration or four in consideration for that second guard spot because Steph's a lock. We know that. Um, when I, I wrote up like who I think should be stars for the All-Star game on Christmas Day when voting opened, and I had I had Chris Paul in that spot because I thought, I mean, he, he, he was kind of in that MVP conversation, leading the league in assists. Um, Devin Booker had missed some time at that point, and, and Chris Paul was kind of, you know, he, he's Chris Paul. He, he's one of the greatest right. point guards of all time. He's still fantastic, still the engine that kind of gets them going. Um, I, I think since then, like I, I probably, I might have Donovan Mitchell in that second guard spot. I think okay. he's been absolutely fantastic, averaging just under 26 points per game, shooting efficiently. We know he's the number one scoring option on that Utah Jazz team. And sure. also, by the way, the Jazz have the best offensive rating in the league by an absolute mile. Like, this team is just, no one can score at the rate that this Jazz team is right now. Um, and he's right. a big reason for that. Obviously, Rudy Gobert plays a big role in it. We've talked about it before. Um, but I, I think I would give the edge to Mitchell right now. But to your point, John Moran is certainly in that conversation for a starting spot. Yeah, there's still a couple of weeks before All-Star voting ends, so uh, maybe that might change uh, at this time. But right now, I would give Ja the edge uh, over, over the rest of the field outside of Steph Curry. Uh, all right, who's your first-time All-Star? We, we talked about Ja. We think he, he he's in a conversation to be a starter. He would be a first-time All-Star. Who's your first-time All-Star of the season? Freddie Van Vliet. Let's go. Um, wow. I I, oh, I, I talked to you last season. I talked to you. I, I said that he was the toughest omission for me when we were going through um, all star reserves. Okay. And he's been he's been better this season. He's been way better this season. He's averaging right. 21 points a game, shooting the best um, of his career from the field. He's a 40 percent three point shooter on a high volume. Um, he's averaging seven assists, grabbing five rebounds for a guard who is like he's, I think he's listed at six foot, but that's probably a little generous. 
Um, he, he's been like the one steadying presence on the Raptors all season long um, with guys in and out of the lineup with injuries and health and safety protocols. And he's also just an absolute elite defender, a guy who just, you know, eats steals and deflections for breakfast, um, is not afraid of anyone despite his limitations physically. So I, I think this is the year that Fred VanVleet deserves an all-star nod. Um, you know, the Raptors... I think I'm a little higher on the Raptors than you are. Um, sure. This team is not going to win a championship this season, but they're in the playoff, play-in, uh, like the play-in picture right now, um, hovering around 500. I think they could be a playoff team. So I, I, I think Fred VanVleet deserves, um, you know, consideration for the season that he's having, but also the role that he's had on this Raptors team, kind of carrying that torch from Kyle Lowry. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, I was not high on this Raptor team, as you as you well know. But I've come around on them. I, I, I'm not now. I'm not going to say that this is a, a stone cold top four team in the Eastern Conference. That's out. Of, that's out of line. But I I do think that they are probably in the mix where I could see them finishing seventh or eighth and 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 hosting a home playoff or home play in game rather. Um, that's where I'm at right now. That's I think if if they get beyond that, that would that would exceed my expectations greatly uh, and many others. Um, but uh, you know, it's a playing team still, so it's, it's tough to get excited about them. But that being said, I don't know. I think the argument between uh, you know in, in the East at least, uh, Fred VanVleet and other first-time All Stars. You're looking at a Darius Garland. You're looking at mm-hmm. uh, Lamelo Ball. Um, you know, it, the record might come into play there with uh, with the Raptors, and and you know, it's not like they're the, the Hornets are way ahead of them. I think. Lamella's star power might get him uh, above the, the other two, but Darius Garland probably deserves uh, to be in the conversation um, to just be an all-star guard. Period. Let alone if he's a first timer or not. Um, my my pick is uh, is is a homer pick, and, and I've been beating the drum for this guy for a very long time. Uh, sometimes I, I was on a, on a Wiggins Island alone, but uh, now there's oh, people joining me. Uh, Andrew Wiggins deserves to be a first time all-star. Scott, he has stepped up. Uh, and he's proven um, to be, uh, you know, a, a valuable player to winning. Uh, you know, you cannot argue against that anymore. Now, you, you could have said you could have said some stuff about him in in, in Minnesota, and, and and a lot of it was right. There was evidence behind it. There was video you can go search right now and, and show that you know there's times where he took plays off and everything else. Uh, but now that he's out of that atmosphere and into a winning atmosphere, he's become a different player. The numbers aren't very much different, other than the efficiency, of course, but. It, it's you. It just has a different feel, right? He just he, he's doing it on both ends of the floor. All the tools that he said or that was said about him coming into the league, uh, you know, athletic and and length and all that other stuff, and could score it on, on anybody. All those things are you're now seeing them on a nightly basis, and and they're actually contributing to winning. As I mentioned on Monday night, Steph Curry had a very tough night from the field. It was Andrew Wiggins that stepped up and had one of his most efficient nights of, of the year. 22 points, shot 61% from the field, 50% from three, didn't miss a free throw. Um, you know that That is the, the, the type of game uh, that he would have in Minnesota, and they probably lose. Now, uh, that's the type of game that he has when his star is having uh, an off night and it ends up being a win. Um, you know, He was guarding Jimmy Butler for, for most of the game until he got injured. This is a, a player who deserves recognition. I don't know if he gets it, but I do say that if there's going to be one first-time All-Star in the Western Conference, no one else should get it other than Andrew Wiggins. I feel like we're showing our NBA Canada bias here with me picking uh, Fred Beverly of the Raptors and you picking Andrew Wiggins. 
of Canada. Um, and I also will say, by the way, I love the way that you you defended Darius Garland because it was what <laughs> five or six weeks ago that I was like, hey, Darius Garland could be an all star in the future. Yeah, Not I thinking laughed. really this season, um, and you kind of laughed me off. But I and here laugh. we are, five or six weeks later, and uh, I, I, you're right, he deserves to be well, in the conversation. And so does Jared Allen, by the way. Um, we should have mentioned him, but. No, no, no. We'll stop at Darius Garland. But uh, as you as you know, new information is available. I I am I'm very uh, much willing to 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 backpedal on my my statements when new information is available. The same way I'm expecting that. a lot of people to backpedal on their Andrew Wiggins takes uh, if he yep. does end up uh, in Cleveland as an All Star. That would be that would be something, right? Like the 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 place that drafted him. Uh, number one overall, and and really started kind of the spotlight on him as this. You know, people were, were there was people that were calling this man a bust. There's people mm-hmm. that were calling this man a bust. And had he gone second, because there was a very much a debate between him and Jabari Parker. Obviously, that debate is is long over. Uh, unfortunately, Jabari Parker just never was able to live up to the hype with the injuries and everything else. So um, it, it's clear that Cleveland got it right at the time. They didn't know LeBron James was coming back, so he gets traded to Minnesota, and and and, and the rest unfolds the way it unfolds. And now this guy is, is contributing to winning and could end up being a first-time All-Star right back in the place that drafted him. That would be beautiful. It would be. Talk about things coming, kind of coming full circle. But um, I, I don't know if he gets it, right? It, it's Steph's a lock to make it. I think Draymond Green has to be a lock. Um, he's, you know, he doesn't score much, but he's one of the best passes in the league, and he's arguably the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he is kind of a, a key part of their identity, and that should be recognized. I don't know if the Warriors get three All-Stars. Like, I, I feel like there's just too much talent in the West. Um, I, I would have to go through kind of, what is it, 12 players who make the All-Star team. I feel like I'd have to go through one through 12. It, right. it does feel like Andrew Wiggins, he definitely deserves consideration. I feel like he's on the outside looking in. Um, and maybe he's someone who maybe he's someone who gets selected if there's an injury replacement or two or something like that. Um, I, right. I feel like I could see that. But I, I also want to shout out Shea Gilgis-Alexander, I think, is in that conversation of being an All-Star. Um, sure. DeJounte Murray is having uh, an under-the-radar fantastic season, an All-Star. Uh, he deserves All-Star consideration and most improved player consideration. Um, Lamella Ball, Fred Van Vliet, we mentioned, John Morant, um, Jared Allen, Darius Garland. I, I think those players are probably the most likely um, first-time All-Stars, or at least the players who really, I, I think, are going to get consideration for it. So you're saying if they were in the East, then Andrew Wiggins would be the first-time All-Star. <laughs> I didn't, that's, that's I, all, I, I didn't all say I that. There. I didn't say that's that. That's all I heard there. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, shout out to Andrew Wiggins. I, I do think he deserves to, to get it, and and it does sound like his uh, his, his Warriors teammates and uh, head coach Steve Kerr are very much campaigning for uh, for him to get recognized there. Um, a player that's going to get recognized uh, and rightfully so, or former player rather, that's going to get recognized and rightfully so is Dirk Nowitzki. He is getting his jersey retired on Wednesday uh, after the Mavs Warriors game. Dirk Nowitzki, a player, of course, that uh, really uh, you can't tell the story of the NBA without mentioning the contribution that Dirk Nowitzki brought to the game. Um, when you think about one of the 75 greatest players in the NBA, um, one of the best international stars we've ever seen, uh, you know, talking about having patience and allowing a player to develop, all those things I think about Dirk Nowitzki. Um, he didn't have the, the great success on the international stage in terms of uh, leading Germany to, to, to super heights on the on the global stage. I know he played the Eurobasket and they had some success there, but uh, you know they didn't, they didn't medal at the Olympic Games or anything or, or at a world championship. Championship, um, but 
and and he didn't play enough in those uh, scenarios to to have that happen. Um, but I, I always remember, um, you know, what he did uh, to defeat the Heatles the first, you know, uh, the first time they got to the finals uh, in that playoff run. I think when you go back and look at, you know, just the playoff tree, you don't have to look at how, what he did in the playoffs, but look at the playoff tree and see how close to the Mavs were to elimination a couple times on the way to the championship. Um, you know, it, it is really, really surprising that uh, that team was able to pull it pull it out, uh, and, and it is in large part to Dirk's greatness in that series. He really, really, really took over um, and, and had some great moments uh, and, and rose to the occasion, especially after having his heart broken uh, in years past. So um, I, I would say, um, you know, that's my probably my favorite Dirk memory is uh, is his him winning a championship and running off the floor immediately after the game. Uh, it felt like uh, as soon as that buzzer went off in Game Six, he was out of there and had a moment to himself. Um, that that I will always remember the shock that I felt watching that go down because I, I I like most people just assume that it would be the Heat season and uh, that was not the case that year. So. Shout out to Dirk for uh, for making us sure making sure that the this phrase you still got to play the games uh, means something. Uh, he, he definitely did in, in 2011. Absolutely. I mean, he he had 10 trips to the the playoffs before he won that title. Um, and you know, I, I think the, the the one that everyone will always remember is that 2006 2007 season where he wins MVP. Um, and then why he, he really struggles in that first round matchup with the Warriors and they lose that game. They get knocked out in six uh, that series. They get knocked out in six games. And I'll just always remember, like, Dirk had this reputation of being a guy who just, you know, couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Um, and again, 10, 10 straight, well, not 10 straight years, but 10 years in the playoffs before he wins that title. And he goes on one of the most, I think it's fair to say, you're more of an NBA historian than I am. But it's got to be one of the most memorable individual runs we've ever seen, right? Um, and also one of the most dominant. Like, he, he averaged 27, six, uh, 20, sorry, 27 and then 6 rebounds or something like that. Um, and it really just felt like it was Dirk's, like, it, it just felt like all the stars had aligned, right? Like everything went right for the Mavericks. And anytime they needed something from Dirk, he stepped up and delivered time and time again in the clutch um, in every single series, especially in that finals run. Um, that, that I mean, that's absolutely the highlight of his career. But he's a guy, you know, 21 seasons, was it, with the Mavericks? Um, played every single season of his career with them. An absolute legend. Um, it's funny, Carl Anthony Towns a few weeks ago said something along the lines of, you know, he's the greatest shooter in NBA history, big man shooter in NBA history. That is, Carl Anthony Towns said himself is. Um, the answer is Dirk, right? Like, no disrespect to Towns. He might be the second already greatest big man shooter of all time. But the answer, at least for now, is Dirk Nowitzki, um, a guy who just completely changed the game, a seven-footer who could space the floor out to the three-point line. We know about his one-legged fadeaway, one of the great signature shots in NBA history. Um, I, I think it's fair to say, you know, he, he changed the NBA forever. He left um, a lasting impact on the league, and, and it shows. You know, he's he's a member of the NBA 75 team, absolutely deserves to have his jersey retired by the Mavericks. Yeah, that final series, I think people forget that Mavericks team was down 2-1. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, because they, they, they lose game one, they come back and, and narrowly win game two. They only won by two points in game two. Uh, and then you lose the heartbreaker in game three and uh, by two again. And everyone was saying to themselves, wow, man, Dirk's never going to get it. You know, it's now it's going, you know, uh, LeBron will close this out uh, and, and, you know, be crowning achievement for him. And they reel off three straight and he, he just played fantastic. You know, like you said, whenever they needed a bucket, 
um, he, he just had one for them. Uh, and, and I'll never forget that game six performance. Like it, he, he just mm-hmm. showed up um, and didn't force it. It's not like he had one of the great, uh, you know, and I think people forget about that uh, final series out of Dirk because it, it, he didn't put up the numbers that say in that era, Tim Duncan did or, or um, you know, it, or LeBron would have just in the very next year and, and, and things like that in the finals. Uh, but he earned that finals MVP with, with just, timely baskets um, and timely key moments on, on both ends of the floor. You know, that you didn't hear anything about Dirk can't guard uh, watching him in that playoff run. I, and that was something that was played. You know, it was Dirk couldn't guard and Dirk couldn't live up to the big moment. And I think he shut all that down with his performance in the finals and, and leading that Mavericks team to an improbable run. So um, his jersey will be retired, rightfully so, by the Mavericks. And uh, we want to congratulate him on a fantastic career and wish him all the best in his postseason, his post-year uh, uh, basketball years. I know he's a, a big FIBA ambassador. You know, I love that, Scott. So uh, hopefully hopefully mm-hmm. one day I'll see him at the World Cup and, and get an opportunity to uh, to shake hands and, and chop it up with, with the great Dirk Nowitzki. Um, all right, let's let's get out of here. Uh, we'll be back next week, regular time, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, right across the NBA Global Networks every single Tuesday. If you've missed any part of the show, you can catch the show on NBA Sound System, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. Uh, and we promise we'll be a little bit better. It felt like we were a little clunky today. Um, I, I know I did. It felt like a little clunky off the top and maybe even throughout. Uh, but we'll work that out and be a little bit smoother next week. Um, I feel like I feel like I'm 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 working myself back into, into game shape. <laughs> like, like <laughs> this is it was uh it was there was a break and then uh, I definitely ate too much over the holiday season. But I feel like hey, I'm the only one working myself. Yeah, definitely working myself back into uh, game shape. As as a great Lamola Ball said, uh, new new year, new me, but not. <laughs> The same you know. <laughs> same uh it's been all star based off of that quote alone <laughs> it is one of the great quotes of all time um we'll check you out next week uh for scott rafferty i'm carlin gay we'll see you then you've been listening to nba sound system wherever you get your podcasts